Hey guys, welcome to today's show. Today we're talking about how to get your dog to stop snapping at people. And I'm going to jump right into a story. When I came up with the idea of talking about this topic, there was one dog that came to mind. I'm not going to say her name. I'm not going to mention the owner. However, I know who she is and they know who she is. This dog hated men. Hated them with a burning passion in her soul. She hated men and she would snap at them at every opportunity she had. They came into a facility I was working with at the time. We did an in-person evaluation and this dog wanted nothing to do with people. This was based off of fear-induced aggression. If your dog is afraid of people and is therefore snapping to try to get them to go away from them, creating distance, then you need to listen to the rest of this episode. This is going to tell you exactly what you need to do, how you need to do it, and hopefully give you some hope that it can be fixed. Okay, So this dog hated people. And of course, uh, hated men really. It didn't hate all people, just men. But of course, I got to work with the dog. I had the most amount of knowledge at the facility, and I was the only one willing to go close to this dog because I, you know, I didn't mind reading the dog and understand what was going on. Other people were nervous that they were going to get a tick. So I start working with this dog. Multiple sessions go by. This dog still hates me, still hates me, wants nothing to do with me, wants to snap at me. Eventually gets close enough just to grab my pocket. Thankfully, my keys are in my pocket, so the dog didn't actually bite me. But it's snapping, it's lunging, it's snarling. It wants nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. Why did this happen? How did this happen? This was created because a veterinarian and the vet techs forced this dog still so that they could perform the routine procedures that they had to do, but the dog didn't understand what they were doing and therefore reacted, bit the veterinarian, bit the vet techs, and got away. What did the dog learn? It was positively reinforced for expressing its aggression in order to make its situation better. I don't want to be at the vet. I don't want to be in this situation, so I'm going to snap, I'm going to lunge, I'm going to snarl, I'm going to do all this stuff just to get the vet and the vet techs to let go of me. And it worked. They called up the owner. The owner comes. The dog has no problem with the owner. The owner takes the dog, goes home. It's not allowed at the vet anymore. That owner came to the facility looking for a solution. Guys, I, I got to be able to bring my dog to the vet. There's clearly going to be a problem. Like, I got to go find a new vet now. And I'm afraid that if I take my dog for a walk and someone looks like a vet, my dog is going to attack them. So we're working on it. But because of that one experience, the dog hated men. And he lived on a nice open property. So the dog never had to be introduced to people. It liked the family members. It had no problem with the family members. It did have a problem with guests coming over that it didn't know. But that one traumatic experience was enough for it to realize that if it felt afraid, all it had to do was react and bark and snarl and snap at people, and they would leave. Your dog might be going through the same situation. You're going for a walk, and they see a person, and they're... And they start snapping at other people. And then the person walks away because... They're like, okay, your dog's nuts. I'm just going to keep going. And your dog's so awesome. I did it. I made him leave. Whether that was the actual situation or not, that is what your dog believes happened. So how do we change this? Well, the first thing we need to do is control as much of the environment as possible. Now, I know this sounds difficult. Control the environment as much as possible. So if you're going for a walk, have treats with you. Have a toy with you. Go when it's not so busy. Go in an area where most people don't walk, like a park, right? Now, most people are going to walk in a park, but you know, I was thinking more like uh, hiking, 
right? Go early in the morning when maybe there's only one or two people out and you set up scenarios where you can actually train. So if you see someone down the road, peel off to the side, get out of the way and create a lot of distance so that when they pass by, you can work with your dog and get some good repetitions in, right? Self-redirection, use their name, just rewarding them for being in the presence of the thing they don't like. We know that the biological purpose of fear-induced aggression is to get the fearful thing, right, the, the trigger, the stimulus, to lessen or go away. So if they're afraid of a person, and that's why they're snapping at them, if they're afraid of being touched, and that's why they're snapping, they want to lessen the severity or make the thing completely go away. The old school method was, all right, I'm just going to stand here, and the dog's going to figure out that I'm not the problem. They're the problem, and they've got to calm the hell down. That takes forever, number one. And number two, it puts so much stress on your dog that your dog doesn't know what to do, gives up, and they learn this sense of helplessness. They're like, okay, I'm never going to get help. I'm never going to get out of this situation. I'm just going to die here. And some dogs will escalate the amount of effort, meaning they're going to snap and bite harder. Right? Typically, when it's fear-induced aggression, it's a quick snap. They just go forward, snap, and then run away. But in this case, when you push them like that, and you say, all right, I'm just going to stand here, dog escalates. This is where social media gets into it. Oh, this dog, I'm the dog's last hope. Right? This is classic on social media. I see this all the time. This dog was going to get put down if I didn't do something. And, of course, they show the dog snapping and snarling because the trainer put the dog in that situation, and they flood, that's what it's called, flooding the dog with emotion to the point where the dog is so drained that they cannot do anything else. They give up, and it looks like, oh, well, they're not snapping and snarling anymore. But internally, the slightest change, the slightest uh, boost in energy for them, and they will go right back to doing what they were doing. The other coin is that you have to keep doing that, every single new person. And this is where people say, oh, well, my dog is selective and only likes a couple people. Well, you went through that process with a couple people. So your dog knows with a couple people everything's going to be fine. But they were so stressed during that process that they know the next time they meet someone new, they're going to get stressed again. How terrible does that sound? If I said, hey, we're going to go do something, but we got to go through this dark alley first. And you're like, okay, I don't really want to go through the dark alley. Is there another way? And I'm like, nope, we got to go through the dark alley. And we just stood in the dark alley until you got over it. And then we could leave the dark alley. Wouldn't you be like, I don't really like this. I don't ever want to go down a dark alley again. And every time we saw a new dark alley, I say, hey, we got to go down this one. You're going to start thinking, oh, man, we got to stay there. How long are we going to stay there for? What's going to happen while we're there? Is he going to pester me? Is something going to jump out at me? I'm going to be panicked this entire time, just like I was the last time. Because you don't feel any better. You feel no better. And the third time we do it, and the fifth time we do it, eventually, eventually, after the hundredth time you've done it, okay, yeah, you might go in and you're still going to be anxious, but you, you, know, you might know that nothing's going to happen. Now, if something does happen, on the 10th time you go in there, something happens and like a rat goes past your foot and you panic, all of that panic will stay there forever. Because you're like, I, okay, I have no idea. The suspense is killing me. This is why I hate horror movies. I can't stand horror movies for this exact reason. I could watch a perfectly good movie. And I can watch a horror movie. But the fact of not knowing when something's going to jump out, I, I don't like it. I don't even like social media that has like horror movie music in the background because I don't trust it. I don't trust that something isn't going to jump out and scare the hell out of me. Don't trust it. Don't like it. I'm not about it. But back to, back to dogs. So 
if you put them in a situation where you're going to flood them every time, you're like, okay, they got to get over it. I'm just going to hold them down. I'm going to squeeze them tight. They can bite me. They can, you know, I got protective gloves on, whatever. I'm, I'm just going to keep going through it. And they're going to give up. And then I'm going to reward them when they give up. That does no good. It'd be much better to change their perception. Change their perception of the event. So the first one, manage. Manage as much as you can do. The second step is to change their perception of the event. They see a person, we want them to think that a person is good. I love seeing people. They bring me all this good stuff. I don't have to be afraid of people. I don't have to be afraid of being touched. Because every time they put their hand on me, every time they pet me, I also get a treat. I can create positive associations through classical conditioning. Right? Pavlov's dogs. Ring the bell, they get food. The bell meant nothing before. The only difference here is that the bell, in our case touching or a person, means something already. So we're in the negative. We got to get back to zero, and then we can go to the positive side. The bell was starting at zero, and all Pavlov had to do was create positive associations. We're going backwards. We're going from negative to zero and zero to positive. That's our goal. And then step number three is letting them be in control of the learning process. Yes, you have to manage. Yes, you have to build a positive association. But if they're not ready for the next step, don't go there. If they can't handle huge burly guys with baseball caps and boots, don't put them in a situation with a big burly guy with a baseball cap and a boot. Put them with someone smaller. If they love kids, use kids within reason. Right? You don't want to get anyone injured. But if kids are their soft spot, use kids. If women are their soft spot, okay. Have them be introduced to a lot of women. And then move to taller, broader men. Right? We have to find out what are the contingencies, what are the characteristics of the people that they're afraid of, that they're snapping at. It could be people in scrubs. It could be people in scrubs. I know that one of the thought processes we had with the dog I mentioned earlier was it didn't like me because I smelt like dogs. I was working with 36 dogs a day, and that was the last appointment of the day. So, of course, the last time the dog went into a dog area where professional men worked was the vet's office. So every time it went into a dog area where a professional man was, it thought it was at the vet's office and it needed to be on guard. So one of the things that we did that transformed this dog's life was working outside. Getting it used to me outside and then we moved inside and it was much easier for the dog to transition that way. Had no problem with me outside. No problem at all. Once we got inside, that was the problem. So we had to kind of balance those things out. Now, I want to make another note here. Now that you kind of have the the breakdown of what you need to do, manage the situation, create a positive association, and go at your dog's pace. The important part throughout this entire process, do not correct your dog. If a trainer tells you to correct your dog because they're afraid, they are wrong. I'm just going to say it. They are wrong. Yes, they will stop exhibiting the behavior. Yes, they will. And this is what a trainer will say. Well, we can't have them exhibiting that behavior. We're going to correct them, and then we'll make them feel better afterwards. What does this do? I'll go back to my alleyway example. You and I are going down an alleyway, and you're panicking. And I slap you across the face. I say, knock it off. I say, deal with it. And then we walk. Do you feel any better about the alleyway? The next time we go down an alleyway, and I stop and lift my hand. Do you, are you going to look to me to be consoled? Are you going to think that this place is a positive 
interaction? Are you going to enjoy going down the alleyway? No. It is one step further than the flooding. The flooding, I'm going to rush you with all of this emotion. You're going to get over it. You're going to get used to it. And we're going to move on. Correcting the dog says, we're going to get in there. I'm going to quicken the process by slapping you, by correcting you, making sure that you are okay in this situation by not exhibiting what you truly feel. This is where people have trauma and they spend years going to therapy. I don't want your dog to go to therapy. Although, right, it might be cute to have a dog laying on a couch and with a monocle and whatever. Right? We don't want dogs going to therapy. And when a dog is fearful, aggressive, and you correct them, they shove all that emotion down to the point where they will not express how they feel and will just act. I have seen this countless times before. They are so afraid and they are so terrified of showing what they feel. They don't growl. They don't get tense. They don't shift their eyes. They don't pin their ears back. Nothing. They just snap. People say, I, I've never seen that before. I've never seen that interaction before. They just, the, the dog just turned on me like a wild animal. That's what I've heard recently from working with a Rottweiler. The dog just turned on me like a wild animal. It's because it was afraid. And it was corrected so much because someone thought that, oh, I can't have this in my dog. I can't have this with my puppy. I'm going to correct it at a young age. And then they learn not to express their emotions. Same thing happened with the dog I was talking about earlier. A couple of weeks into our training plan, I said, hey, you know, what did you do before you came here? When this first became a problem, what was like your, your first thought? And this actually taught me to ask this question much earlier. This was, again, in my early part of my career. And now I ask all the time, what, what have you done already? What have we already tried so that we can quicken the process? And he said, oh, well, we use an e-collar at home. And I said, whoa, 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 okay. I have no problem with using an e-collar if it is, one, absolutely necessary, and number two, if done properly. Now, my, my caveat there is if it's absolutely necessary, I don't think in many cases it is. In, in fact, all cases. Anyway, <laughs> point being, we had a discussion about the e-collar, and he said that the first thing he did was he would go for a walk with the e-collar on, and every time the dog reacted to men, it would get shocked. It would get electric stimulation, as some people like to say. It would get corrected. So based off what I just told you, what did that create? I see a person, and I make a negative association because I'm getting this stimulation I don't like, which is supposed to stop me whenever I see that person. So every time I see that person, I'm going to get stimmed. I'm going to get electrocuted. I'm going to get shocked, right? So now, not only did we have a bad experience at the vet's office, but they had a bad experience because the dog was corrected every time they saw a person. That does not help. <laughs> it did not help at all. And because it didn't know when it was going to get electrocuted, because the individual using the e-collar was not a trained professional and did not have the consistency that was necessary, the individual didn't have consistency with treats. So I guarantee it did not have consistency with the e-collar. So the dog was guessing. I don't know if this person is going to shock me. I have no idea. So I'm just going to bark at everybody. And it created more problems than good. It created more problems than good. If your dog is fearful, reactive, you need to manage the situations as best as you can. Create positive associations with whatever they find fearful and go at their own pace. Do not correct them and ask for a professional's guidance and help if you feel lost. 
If you're looking for a professional and you like the way that I teach and the styles that I use, head over to matadorcanine.com slash coaching. Let's get you at least started on the right path so you guys can start enjoying your walks again and not get bit all the time, okay? <laughs> that is my gift to you <laughs> to not get bit. If we just did that one thing, your life would be that much better with your dog. Also, the Dog Training Cheat Codes is available. I'm going to put a link in the description. You can get your physical copy of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. We also have an audio book at the moment, so you guys can check out the audio version of the Dog Training Cheat Codes as well. Thank you guys for listening. Check out the links in the description, and I'll see you next time.